Holy Spirit. We're singing about you. We've in so many ways treated you like an impersonal force. And you're the person of the Holy Spirit. Invade this place, Lord, exactly as we, what we were singing. Lord, we make room for you. Invade this place. Bring us into a greater understanding of who you have called us to be, that our identity would be aligned correctly and our behaviors would be the results of our identity being in Christ. In so many instances, God, I know that we try to force behaviors without really identifying with you the way we're supposed to first. It all just comes so automatically and so naturally when we just press into you. So help us to do that, Lord, in your word, we pray. We pray for those that will be baptized this evening. We pray, God, that there would just be incredible bondages broken in the name of Jesus, that there would suddenly begin to be wide open spaces for everything you have in store. We believe this is a year, Lord, that we're exploring and understanding you have created us to flourish. Therefore, we will settle for nothing less than stepping into a place of flourishing by the hand of God more than what we have known in times past. Lord, you are awakening something in the body of Christ, and we want to stand at the forefront of what you're doing. We don't want to catch the tail end of it. But Lord, I believe you're awakening something of flourishing in the earth in this hour. I thank you, Lord. Various ministry expressions now around the world have started to use that word. Every time I hear it, I realize God is having a conversation, and it's those conversations becoming confirmations as we're more aware of the promptings of the Holy Spirit and the presence of God. Let that be in Jesus' mighty name, in Jesus' mighty name. And our agreement is our amen, and everybody said amen. amen. God wants us to have flourishing lives, flourishing, flourishing lives. You are created by God to flourish. Mrs. Howard and I were talking this past week, and um, she said, she and Jim, how many years you've been married, Jim? Put you on the spot right in front of everybody. 50 this year. Congratulations, 50 years. We celebrate with you. But Diana was telling me she's married to her best friend. There's nobody she loves spending time with more than her husband. When they travel, go on trips together. And then she said these words, My children love to bring their grandchildren over to their grandma and grandpa's house. And it was really interesting because what she was describing to me is you don't always feel like you're married to your best friend. Would you agree? Sometimes marriage can be difficult. Would you agree? Sometimes there's frustration and disappointment that, that happens in life. But what she was saying was, I could have never in that moment in time, in those moments of frustration, I could have never measured the value of what was to come because I couldn't imagine how much I was going to flourish 
And it would have been so easy to throw away so much in such a minimal moment of disappointment and frustration. And I just want to say, God wants you to flourish. God wants you, your life, not just your, your life, your legacy to flourish. I, I, I hear the Holy Spirit saying right now, I'm just going to declare this by the Spirit of God, some things in your life are worth fighting for that you've stopped fighting for. Why don't you wake up that fight, stir up that fight again. Come on, stir up that fight again. Stir, just keep stirring it up. Some things, there ought to be a sound of heaven rushing in this room right now. Some things in your life are worth fighting for. God wants us to stir up that fight and understand what it is to flourish. Do not abandon hope in the midst of difficulty. God's taking us into an incredible season. I'm going to introduce you today to the rhythm of prayer, and what that really looks like as we've come through our focal point, first 40 days of the year. We're now going to step into what I believe will be a wonderful season of prayer. The handouts on your seats, we're going to go through those in just a little while. Um, and I'm going to introduce you to an understanding and a concept that I believe the Holy Spirit is saying is not just going to be a season of prayer, but it's going to become a lifestyle of prayer. You know, the disciples asked Jesus, they saw Jesus, I want you to think about this, they saw Jesus uh, heal blind people who couldn't see that could suddenly see. They saw him heal deaf people that couldn't hear that could suddenly hear. They saw him raise dead people from death to life. They saw him do all of these crazy, amazing things like bread multiplied to feed the 5,000, you know, thousands of people fed by one little boy's lunch. They saw him do all these miracles. And, and I don't know about you, but those would have been really cool tricks. Like if I was walking with Jesus, I might have said, okay, that bread thing, man, that is awesome. I want you to teach me how to do the bread thing. Like what, what's the bread thing, you know, how, or, or maybe it was the blind thing. Lord, I want you to teach me the blind thing or the deaf thing. Teach me the deaf thing. Teach, teach me, no, no, the dead thing. That is awesome. Like if I could go around and meet people who lost family members and bring them back, that would be so cool. I mean, I don't know which one you would have picked from the smorgasbord of miracles that you would would have seen walking with Jesus, but none of the disciples asked for, for any of the specific miracles. What they said is, Jesus, teach me to pray. And I just want you to understand something. When you learn to pray, you open the supernatural in your life in every dimension. And the disciples watched Jesus enough to understand this. I'm announcing to you, God is taking us into a place of conversation with Him in a rhythm of prayer that not only will produce a season of the supernatural, but it will produce a lifestyle of the supernatural. And I'm declaring that in agreement over this church family. I'm declaring that over you. I'm declaring that over your sons and daughters, your grandsons, your granddaughters, legacy. Come on, a legacy of what God's desiring to do. Unashamedly, we want God to awaken the supernatural in our hearts and lives. And in this season, I've, I've had uh, different people telling me different things that are unfolding, and I'll be talking about some of those. I would really appreciate, Tracy mentioned it last week, I would really appreciate your just sending emails of anything that you're experiencing God doing right now so that we can celebrate that. I'm going to read one to you now, but you can just send that into our church website, info at destinychristian.com. 
Um, but send in anything that you're sensing or seeing or experiencing that God is doing, awakening, supernatural. There's a, a healing miracle. Uh, well, healing miracles now, plural, have taken place. We've celebrated uh, some of that. We're going to talk a little more about later on in the, in the message today. But here's a message that I got that I think was just so powerful. It says, We found our marriage was growing stronger in this 40 days as we started focusing more on God. During this time, I came, to, I came to own the fact that I am a child of God and fear should never be in my vocabulary. My stress level has gone down. I'm accomplishing more at work and home than I normally would. There is a confident atmosphere in our home that cannot be explained in words, but definitely a change. I am grateful for all of God's blessing and what he's planned for us in this year. This is a year of flourishing. Do you believe? Will you believe over your own life, over your own home? We celebrate that, but we call that in over our own lives in Jesus' name. So stepping into and recognizing the importance of rhythm, everything is about rhythm. Everything in your life is about rhythm. You breathe with rhythm. You're, you're on a cellular level. You're, you're, you're whirling all the, you know, everything that is energy, anything that substances energy and mass, and it's got these whirling electrons with rhythm. The, the planets are in a rhythm. The earth is in a rhythm. Everything is about rhythm because I don't believe God spoke the world into existence. I believe God sang the world into existence, and the rhythm of God exists in all creation everywhere we go, and we'll probably look into this more and more over the course of these next weeks so that we can start to learn to cooperate with the rhythm of the Spirit. A rhythm of the Spirit. And so a rhythm of prayer is vitally important for us to understand just how we can cooperate with encounters that come from God. Understand this very clearly today. Encounters with God are amazing. Encounters with God are wonderful. Tonight we're going to have an encounter night. I believe we're going to encounter God. But let me ask you this, this very important question. How many of you have ever had an amazing encounter with God that began to be a fading memory of an encounter you once had, and it didn't perpetuate anything powerful continually in your life. Have you ever been to youth camp? That's what I'm talking about. <clears throat> you go to youth camp, get on fire, man, you are so on fire, you're just going to come home and burn, and then like, I don't know, a little bit of time, and it seems like all that dwindles away. Yeah, I found it interesting in Acts chapter 4, you've got people gathering together that are being filled with the Holy Spirit. Have you ever looked at that portion of Scripture, and the place where they're praying was the foundations were shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak the Word of God with boldness? Those are the same people in Acts chapter 2 that were filled with the Holy Spirit. And so we need to understand the Bible clearly identifies the fact that we leak and we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit over and over and over. We need a pattern of being filled again and again. That's why we come here every week. We're worshiping. That's why we get in the Word and prayer. We're worshiping and we're seeking God. We've got this rhythm. We're constantly being filled up. We then make room. Our worship makes room and we empty ourselves out and He fills us up again. And when we begin to get in that place of a pattern, it begins to awaken something of the supernatural power of God in our lives, and we must walk this out or it will slowly dwindle away every time we have an encounter with God. 
I grow weary of people that are constantly searching for encounters to keep themselves up. I want to encourage you to discover the momentum of rhythm that is born from any encounter so you're perpetuating the power God was revealing in that moment that becomes a lifestyle that you will live out and impart into your generation. Come on, that's who we are. We are powerful men and women of God. First blank, if you'll write it in, when an encounter with God is coupled with a sustainable rhythm, long-term transformation will result. An encounter with God coupled with a sustainable rhythm produces long-term transformation in your life. Not just a season of prayer, Welcome to new normal. Welcome to where we hear God's voice perpetually as just the way we live our lives. Not because we had a simple encounter, but because the encounters we are experiencing produce momentum to become patterns so that we begin to produce and sustain rhythms of prayer and conversational interaction with God. See, the greatest gift that you can give your life, your world, your family, your friends is an inspired, vibrant you. The greatest gift you can give the world around you is the inspired, vibrant you. We've got this this amazing expression capacity within us. And when you are inspired by God, folks, you are at your best. When you are inspired by God, you're created by God to be inspired by Him. So stop surrounding yourself with people that are distracting you from that. I, I want to just, I want to coach you in something very important. Jesus hung out with everybody. I love hanging out with everybody. I love shocking people when they find out I'm a pastor because I don't walk according to the most sacred, holy, disconnected from everybody cloth of the Lord. Uh, you know, uh, you understand what I'm saying? I, I just love people. Like, I really like people. I'm kind of down to earth. I like to laugh. I like to joke. And I like to meet people. And then, like, we kind of start liking each other before they find out I'm one of those unlikable pastors, right? They find out I'm one of those unlikable Christians. I just love to see that happening. And, and I believe we need to be friends in every direction. But, but listen very carefully. Jesus was friends with everybody. He sat down and had meals with anybody. But his closest allies were people that were connected to God the Father that would contribute an atmosphere in his life. His closest confidence, the people that he spent the most intimate time with were people that had a heart for God. So pay attention to what I'm saying. If you want to cultivate patterns and rhythms, you have to understand you and I were born, created from God, by God, with this incredible infectious ability to influence others and to be influenced by others. Surround yourself with some giant killers. That's what I'm saying. Welcome to the land of giant killers. That's who we are. That's what we do. We move mountains. We kill giants. We're the giant killers of our generation. I hope you took my, uh, my challenge last week and cultivated more worshipful worship music in your household this, this past week. Let that not just be a week. Let that become a lifestyle. 
I've been intentional. If Tracy or the girls didn't have worship going, when I would come through the, the kitchen area, then I would turn it on and make sure we had that going in our house this week. And I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna devote myself to make sure there's an atmosphere of worship going on in our home. I hope you did that this past week. You wanna present an inspired, vibrant you? Then get in that atmosphere of worship in the way you live your life every single day. Turn the page, get in scripture, turn the page. Get an old fashioned Bible, start in the book of Genesis, write the date at the top of the page, and today, for, you know, today you might put at the top of the page, uh, 40 days concluding today, you know, whatever, happy birthday, Ryan, whatever is going on in, in your life and situation, but you're commemorating things as you progress along. Here's a picture of a Bible. I think we've got a picture of a Bible of a guy who was carrying his Bible in, the, in World War II, and, uh, and I, I looked at that picture and just thought, man, that would be such an heirloom and a treasure in the hands of his grandchildren. Can you imagine what a treasure they would feel they had in their hands? Will you provide that for your for the generations that are coming after you by turning the page every day, just putting the date. And at the conclusion of that, you've got this wonderful, beautiful treasure of an heirloom to hand into the next generation. You know that you can actually live a life that's inspired by God by doing what I'm talking about in such a way that you will actually inspire and encourage people that are not even yet born that will hold your Bible in their hand one day and say, man, they really love God. Look how they stayed in the scripture. See, the Bible constantly takes us back to this place of staying connected with God in this place of conversational prayer. Pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. Constantly we're, we're brought back to that place where we're connected with Christ so that we actually will fulfill our destiny. It's our identity more than our behavior. And what we've tried to do in the church is negotiate behavior modification as a result of a pursuit of morality when God really wants to break the stuff within us that's causing us to be distracted because we've identified with something we should have never been identifying with. We need to identify with Jesus Christ, our risen King. Come on, help me now. Call that in. We need to identify with Jesus Christ, our risen King. When we begin to identify with the right things, then the, it's just automatic. The expression of our lives just becomes awakened to be the expression of the Spirit. Heaven begins to be released in the earth. Every time you get on an airplane, you'll hear the same thing. Put your mask on first. Don't help other people put their mask on. You put your mask on first, then help other people. I want to say spiritually, put your mask on first. Get in a place of the Word. Get in a place of prayer. Get in a place of worship. Come to church Come to church. Come to church. Are you feeling it today? Come to church. Make sure you're, I know I'm talking to people that are here. I'm just saying perpetuate a pattern that is a devotion and a conviction because you identify with Jesus who came to establish the church in the earth. Not my idea. It's his idea. You need it. I need it. We need it. That's who we are. He didn't die so we could just come show up and gather conveniently. He died so that we would follow his sacrificial example and see the kingdom of God expand in the earth as a result of our surrendered available lives. Sometimes I need to take a breath. I appreciate your clap in your hands. Some good news today. God does not measure faithfulness in days. So stop getting discouraged over a bad day. God measures faithfulness in years. It's good news. He doesn't measure faithfulness in days. He measures faithfulness in years. And in fact, perhaps more accurately, he would measure faithfulness in generations. 
And so getting the big picture of what I'm aiming for helps me not get so frustrated when maybe I fall apart and the wheels fly off in these brief seasons of my life. So what? So you're not where you wanted to be years ago when you looked at this point in time. So what? It's not has nothing to do with what you're going to become. Just pick up the pace, pick up the pieces, and start today. It's never too late. I think I said it in the video. It, don't, don't let anyone tell you you can't start over. Uh, I don't know how I said it. It's really good when you watch the video again. <laughs> Aren't you glad God doesn't measure in, like, that was one of those moments for me. We have to cultivate a healthy spiritual attitude. This is an important statement. I want to say it correctly. We have to cultivate a healthy spiritual attitude if we're going to stay in the right frame of mind. How many of you know nothing can help you if your thinking is wrong and nothing can stop you if your thinking is right? So we have to stay in the right frame of mind and, and cultivating a healthy spiritual attitude keeps us in the right frame of mind. So everybody say mindset. It's important that we have the right mindset. And when we look at Romans chapter 8, it actually reveals this uniquely. It says, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set, which produces a mindset. What you set your mind on will become your mindset. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires, but those who live accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death. The mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile towards God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. What you are dwelling on really does matter. That's why I'm asking you, turn on worship music in the morning. Guess where your mind will go? I mean, Jeremiah was a bullfrog, might be an awesome song, and Jeremiah was a prophet, but it's probably not going to take you anywhere. You really want to go spiritually. Anybody know Jeremiah was a bullfrog? Mostly older folks. <laughs> Moving along. Whatever you have your mind set on becomes your mindset. It's your next blank. Whatever you set your mind on will become your mindset. Really important that we set our minds on the things of the Spirit so that our mindset is born from the origin of heaven, which is our origin, by the way, in our spirit. God breathed life into us. So prayer, getting in that place of conversation with God, reading the Word, gathering for worship, these are all expressions of submission Submission, this is important. Submission, I know that's not a word that our culture likes. Submission, I just want to rub on that nerve a little bit right now and say submission is a really important part of you being everything God's called you to be. Submission, not just submission to God, submission to each other. Did you know the Bible speaks of the people being baptized into Moses and how we are baptized into each other? We all want to kind of have this independent attitude that says, yeah, I'll just serve God. No, we are actually supposed to be submitted to each other. That, that submission coming into this posture where we don't just show up and expect to be served, but we show up and serve others, that submission where we get up every day and we submit our hearts before God, turning on worship, just getting our mindset where it needs to be, getting into the Word, just turning the page that day, taking time just to listen to Him. So your life has rhythm and your life has patterns, and patterns will always reveal your priorities. Do you want to know what you prioritize in your life? Evaluate the patterns of your life. 
if you call something in your life a priority that you have no time and no money for, there's no pattern to that particular priority, then stop calling it a priority and call it something else because it's not a priority. See, the, the, the pattern of your life reveal the priorities of your life. And when you embrace a pattern, you begin to express a priority. Tracy and I are pretty serious about our date night. You know why? Because our marriage matters to us. And so we have that time set aside every week where we just do, uh, listen, date night doesn't have to be like some big elaborate thing. <clears throat> Sometimes for us, date night is just warming up leftovers and going off to our room and watching something together and just taking time that night maybe to pray together together. Sometimes it's not spiritual at all. It's just two people just wanting to devote in a relationship together. Sometimes it's a nice restaurant. doesn't have to be. Don't, don't use excuses. I can't afford to do this or that. You know, somebody that God's entrusted to your care on any level, friendship, relationship, covenant. If you find that level, how many know deep, meaningful friendships are hard to find in the world in which you and I live? How many know that to be the case? When you find deep, meaningful friendships, invest in those relationships. Invest time in those relationships. Do something to perpetuate a priority. Relationships with no rhythm are like bank accounts with no deposits. Relationships with no rhythm are like bank accounts with no deposits. They might exist, but they have very little value. Stings a little bit, doesn't it? We're evaluating, aren't we? No pattern means no priority. When we develop a pattern, we begin to, to allow a priority to show up, and our rhythm always reinforces purpose. So I want to just point this out to you in a really interesting fashion. When you look at the first five books of the Bible, you see something revealed about this that I think is vitally important. And it's a rhythm that God shows in the Pentateuch, which is a really important foundation of Scripture for us to understand. In the book of Genesis, we see where a man makes a mistake. How many of you ever made a mistake? Just raise your hand if you made a mistake. Point to somebody who made a mistake. Okay? We all understand what it is to make a mistake. And God's response then is God's response now. He immediately begins trying to help redeem us from the process of the mistake. And immediately God begins to respond and he starts working. We even see Cain and Abel and Seth meaning substitute. And if you're interested in studying out those details and you find out what was actually going on there, God was cultivating a lineage that would one day produce a Messiah that would restore all humanity to himself. But it's quite a process. And so the mistake happened in Genesis and in the book of Exodus, we see how God is a God who draws us out of the bondage of the world, Egypt's system, and he introduces us to his truth so that our lives begin to flourish. And then when we move out of Exodus into the the next book of Leviticus, we start to find the, the patterns of worship that center around the truth revealed as a result of God trying to help us through our mistakes. So we had our mistakes, the, the truth is revealed, and then the patterns begin to be established, and the, the worship patterns are revealed in incredible ways in the book of Leviticus. And then in the fourth book, we see the book of Numbers, where when we apply those things that God revealed and we're centering around them in a place of worship, then it helps us not complain and have negative attitudes that fight against what God is trying to accomplish in the earth. Break negativity in your life. Get accountable with somebody. If you're a negative person, stop it. 
That whole book is all about the, the detriment of negativity and how the worship centering around truth awakens God's redemption in your life. It is a good day. It is a good day. This is a wonderful day. No matter what circumstances may come your way, God, he can reach into that situation. And then in the book of Deuteronomy, we see where the introduction of those patterns as a result of a lifestyle become what we're trying to give to our children so that they then learn worship patterns that are formulated around truth that understand and express the redemptive pursuit of God as he takes us out of our mistakes. This is the first five books of the Bible. This is all about rhythm. This is all about pattern. This is all about perpetuating something that becomes a priority. This is why we worship. This is why we come into this room and we lift our hands and we lift our voice and we shout and we declare God is able. We begin to proclaim that no matter what the situation may be, he's a God who takes the the cross, a symbol of scorn, and he turns it into a piece of jewelry, a symbol of hope. He takes the Samaritan person who's known as a half-breed in their day and God awakens out of that such incredible flourishing and beauty that in our day, when we study out and Google the word Samaritan, we find Samaritan's purse in the Good Samaritan's ministry. God takes that which the enemy has tried to contaminate in your life, and he is turning it around to be a trophy of grace used by God to change your world. Stop getting frustrated and turning over the things God wants to use the most. Where you find your deepest pain, you will normally discover your greatest purpose. Because that deep pain drives you to a place of prayer and crying out to God over this huge crevice in your life. And God then begins to mend that and strengthen that and produce a foundation in your life that other people will come to you and they'll say, if you can conquer that, there's hope for me. That becomes the ministry of the power of the cross of Jesus Christ. But you have to cultivate this in a place of conversation with God or the enemy's voice will be louder than God's voice. That's why I want to introduce you to a time of prayer. Tomorrow's Monday. This is a publication on your seat, so I want to invite you to take them. I have these in our bathroom by the sink every morning. I brush my teeth to clean my natural breath, and then I brush my spirit man to get my my, uh, spiritual breath going. And I open this up, and I read according to the day, and I want us to enter into that, and I want to just, I'm going to each, uh, I'm going to present to you what these days mean, so that you have a biblical understanding. Uh, a creator's would be a good way to say it. The, the one who created the universe, his understanding. How many of you know people in our world think of Monday as a bad day? Oh, Lord, it's Monday, Monday morning. The rat race starts over again, right? That's what the world sees it as. I want you to know this is a year that we're going to learn that we were created to flourish. And God is able to turn the situation around. So I want you to understand what Monday is about. Monday actually uh, dates back to a time in human history where there's no phones, no clocks, and the new moon signified the beginning of the month. Monday was born from Moon Day, speaking of the new beginning. 
Monday is a new beginning for you. Tomorrow is a new beginning for your work week. For most of us, it's going to be a five-day work week. And Monday morning, we're going to go in there. It's not back to the grind, the rat race. It is a brand new opportunity. You only get 52 Mondays every year to celebrate God doing something new in a new week that's ahead. Stop letting the world talk you into seeing Monday the wrong way and start rising up in the Spirit seeing Monday the right way. Have an attitude of gratitude before the Lord your God and awaken something supernatural in your expectation because faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. God has some great things in store for you this week. I want you to understand that. I want you to see it that way. We all need a tribe of people who are inclined toward the new beginnings of God in our lives. That's who we are. That's what we're here to declare today. See, Jesus stepped into human history, and he initiated this incredible healing power of hearts and homes and cities and nations, and then he awakened something in our hearts one at a time to start to be a part of that healing process and that restoration process in our world. You are a part of the force. God didn't just try to make you free. He's here to make you a freedom fighter to get other people free. Monday speaks of a week of great opportunities that lie ahead for you to minister to others and allow the Holy Spirit to minister through your life. Your action point this week is purpose to pray daily in agreement with the seven-day prayer focus. Every day, we're all going to pray the same thing. Every day, we're all going to pray in agreement if you'll do this. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to you about how. In fact, Tuesday morning, we have 6 a.m. prayer. I know not everybody's able to do it, but let me just say, if you're able to do it, it'll be worth your investment to be here this Tuesday because I'm going to talk about hearing the voice of God. I'll be leading this Tuesday. I'm going to talk about hearing the voice of God, particularly that Monday expression, hearing the voice of God over your family members. And it's way easier than you realize. And I want to walk you through, and we're actually going to put it into practice together at 6 o'clock in the morning right here in this room. I believe God wants to awaken some things, and we are absolutely devoted to seeing that happen in the body of Christ. Monday is not a day we're just back to the grind. Monday is a day where God turns it around. Let me just tell you something. Some of you, a few of you are aware of this. Most of you are not. Josh Sharp is a man who has been on staff with us before. Josh and Andrea have four children. Two of the girls are twins. Uh, They've been a part of the church for a long time. After transitioning out of staff, just feeling like he was supposed to step out and start his own business. Um, This last week, Josh broke his leg. And it's a severe break. Like, he's got two ankles now. Literally above his ankle, the foot turned sideways in the break. So he put it back into place and called 911, and they took him to the hospital. Here's a guy, owns his own business for reasons not to go into. The family's insured, but somehow Josh is excluded. He has no insurance. He's... He's the breadwinner, four kids, runs a business. And I have been in touch with him all weekend, just talking with him. It's a year of flourishing. Can I just ask you, how do you reconcile it's a year of flourishing when that happens? And I want you to listen very carefully. Because we're inclined to identify with dysfunction, but we're designed to identify with destiny. 
And God is going to take that situation. Mark my words. I don't know how. God's going to take that situation, and he is going to force flourishing into that household, into that business. That business is going to expand. I don't know how. There are going to be people that are going to come get the job done that need to get done. God's going to enlarge him. He's going to look back on this year, and he's going to say, that was the monumental year. Things really shifted in our life. I don't know how God does it, but I've got a word from God this year. I've got a word from God over you this year. I'm declaring this word over you this year. And let me just tell you, this is exactly why we as a church family do what we do. And I, I'm just going to compel you and ask you, will you please be faithful with your giving? Because we are needing to step in and do something to help this family. Would you agree? So bring your tithes, your offering, give to benevolence as we find our way to giving stations in our worship. Give online, whatever you're doing. But let's be faithful to really flourish this year because it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. And as we release something, it's a sign to our lives and God begins to increase all of us. Nick Stroud uh, was in a skiing accident a few weeks ago. And as he was coming down the slopes, as he, he, he lost his footing and his legs shattered in four places. They did an immediate surgery to anchor his uh, bone up here to his ankle and, and sent him to Oklahoma, and he's been in the hospital, and now he's got to have four reconstructive surgeries. I mean, it, I went in and saw, like, I don't know if you've ever seen a bar coming out of somebody's leg because it's drilled into the bone while they're in the process of trying to put the pieces back together again, but it was quite an interesting uh, chat I was having with him that day. And he went into his first surgery this week, uh, on Friday, I guess it was. And as he went into that first surgery, it was supposed to take a little over an hour. I think it was about three hours later, they finally came out and they said, you know what? He's not going to need four surgeries. We're done. We were able to do this amazingly all in one procedure. Come on, that is huge. That is huge. Come on, Lord, we just thank you. Would you just stand to your feet? Let's declare this is a year that God is going to take every situation. He's just going to begin to show off. He's going to begin to show off. Would you just declare it? There is flourishing, flourishing. Even in difficulty, there is flourishing. encouraging you to come Tuesday if you can because this is exactly what we're doing. We're going to take time to pray through this. This is how you do it. Monday morning, tomorrow morning, pick this up from your sink, wherever you're going to have it and declare Monday is a day of blessing and wisdom. New beginnings are here. It's a day of blessing and wisdom. 2 Corinthians 9-11 says you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. Lord, I thank you that we are enriched in every way by God. I thank you, Lord, that we'll be generous as a result of all that you're awakening within us and all that you're challenging us with as you've poured so many rich blessings into our lives. We will begin to be generous on every occasion. It goes on and says, and through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. I thank you, Lord, that our generosity will begin to produce thanksgiving in the hearts of other people. Lord, we just receive that as a church family in the name of Jesus. Lord, as you inspired Paul to write this letter to the church in Corinth, you were awakening something in this hour that we would begin to pray into to release a season of flourishing to the body of Christ and the earth in Jesus' mighty name. 
goes on and different verses to read and different things to focus on. And it says, pray for family members by name, pausing after each one. This is how you do that. Lord, I disagree right now over Sean. I thank you, Sean's a mighty man of God. And I just sense even just in that pause moment, Sean, there's this incredible, I just see flowers and fruit and, and, and fruitfulness coming to your life in this season of flourishing. It's just going to be so much uh, blossoming and what God is desiring to enhance your life. I believe God is enlarging your capacity, increasing your path. And I bless you with that in Jesus' mighty name. You're a mighty man of God. And then you just go to your next family member. I thank you, Lord, for your anointing on Sylvia. I thank you, Father, there's a, a strengthening. I just pronounce a blessing on her. Pause to just hear and sense anything God may want to speak. And I just sense that God is strengthening your voice, Sylvia. God is strengthening your voice. He is giving you a stronger voice of entrance, a stronger voice of influence. Even in your, in your job and your business, God is giving a, a greater uh, strength to your counsel. There's a depth to your counsel that people are going to begin to recognize that you're speaking not only from your wisdom as you're helping people in what you do, but you're actually going to have wisdom from God. It's blessing and wisdom Monday. I'll just declare blessing and wisdom will rest over Sylvia as she walks that out. That's how you do it. You just start praying for your family members by name and just listen. And maybe you just pronounce a blessing over them, but maybe the Holy Spirit just starts to have a conversation with you. How many of you want to know how to pray? Prayer is the type of thing like riding a bike. I want to know how to ride a bike. I want to know how to ride a bike. I can only talk to you so much before you have to get on it and wobble yourself down the road until you finally, I got it, I got it, I got it. You fall over. And you get back up and you do it again. Not all of our community groups do the discussion questions out of the message, but this week, the community groups that do that are going to talk about how to develop an effective rhythm of prayer. But listen, you can go to the blog, and if you're not in one of those groups that does that, you can go to the blog, get those discussion questions, and it makes killer dinner conversation and a family night. Let's, let's grow in this. How many of you want to grow in this? Father, I pray that you would awaken something in our hearts to take us deeper in places of prayer and pursuit of God. Today, Lord, we acknowledge, we acknowledge Jesus is Lord. The Messiah has come to awaken a relationship with us between God and humanity. You bridge the gap. You are who you say you are. You're the Savior of the world. We acknowledge we need you in our lives. We need you, Lord Jesus. Without you, Lord, we're lost in our sin. But with you, we are awakened to the very righteousness of God. We thank you. You're the Savior of the world. And today, Lord, we agree in a declaration together. You're our Savior. You came to rescue us from our sin. Come on, if you believe that, why don't you give him praise and celebration right now? We just honor who Jesus is.